A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. You know, the weather's getting warmer, so I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually... Actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince. But it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie. Also from Quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or, toot, Kate. or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Hello, welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I'm Dori Shafrier. And you know, we're just not experts. But we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And before we get into it, we always like to remind you that you can visit our website, forever35podcast.com for links to everything we mentioned on the show. You can follow us on Twitter at Forever35Pod and Instagram at Forever35Podcast. You can join the Forever35 Facebook group where the password is Serums. Uh, Over on our website, you can find our newsletter, which we release bi-monthly, Forever35Podcast.com slash newsletter. And you can always contact us. We love to hear from you. We really love it. So you can text us or send us a voicemail at 781-591-0390. And our email is forever35podcast at gmail.com. Now, I just want to note that some of you may be like, wait, I thought Kate was on vacation. And actually, Kate is on vacation. We recorded this way ahead of time. And that is why... Pre-record, yeah. We did a pre-record. And so we're not going to do our typical opening of a full-length episode where we kind of gab 
just going to get right into the interview so Kate can go off and be on vacation. So our guest today is Danielle Henderson, a repeat Forever 35 guest. Yeah, one of the earliest Forever 35 guests. One of the earliest ones. Um, And just, uh, Danielle is just such a marvelous human. I just can't say enough great things about Danielle. One of the funniest and smartest um, writers, I think, period. And um, I completely agree. Her new memoir, The Ugly Cry, is so great. And it is heartbreaking and hilarious and just beautifully written. So we get to talk all about it with Danielle. Yes. And, you know, I'm going to read her bio, but as I'm just glancing at it, I'm realizing that when we first talked to her, she had just embarked on her TV writing career. Like, I think she had just moved to LA. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and, like it just speaks to how talented she is because now she's yes. running TV shows and yeah. And that was three years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, anyway. All right. Here is Danielle's bio. She is a TV writer, maniac, divorce, dare me and more retired freelance writer and former editor for a rookie. A book based on her popular website, feminist Ryan Gosling was released by running press in August, 2012. You can still buy it. You probably should. And her memoir, The Ugly Cry, was published in June 2021. Danielle grew up in Warwick, New York, a town ensconced in beautiful fall foliage, rolling farms, festivals dedicated to fruit, and mild class warfare and explicit racism that was never openly discussed or acknowledged. She was absolutely shaped by these factors, as well as the town's blessedly close proximity to Manhattan, the city where she came of age. Instead of doing drugs or drinking, Danielle taught herself how to read a bus schedule and skipped many days of school in an effort to mitigate her desire to live in a more temperate place with the reality that she would be stuck in Warwick for quite some time. As a result, she has sat through more live tapings of The Late Show with Conan O'Brien than any earth science or chemistry class, a retrospectively wise choice. In the past 20 years, she has parked her full wildlife in Alaska, California, New York City, Boston, England, Rhode Island, and Seattle. She once drove from New York to Alaska by herself and has survived a bear chase, four Alaskan winters, junior high school, working in a convent, Aquanet hairspray, acid wash jeans, and the entirety of the Mets 1987 season. Elle parle un peu de français, but mostly ordering food and the type of colloquial cursing you would use on the metro, like hoping your dick falls off or a vulture eats your eyes. She is very tall and often forgets that she has freckles. Strangers take every opportunity to remind her of both. Now, needless to say, we usually cut down people's very long bios. But Danielle's was so good. That's so funny. And so funny. And so her that there was no way we could condense it. Also, can I just, can I make a point of adding, like, I don't know how many people were kind of coming up on the internet in the mid to late aughts, but like feminist Ryan Gosling was such a huge deal. It was so brilliant and so well executed. I mean, it was just like... Is it, it was right iconic. To say it? Yeah, it was like the zeitgeist. Is that the appropriate yep. word? Yeah. So yep. I, I just want to like go back and review it if you've never seen it or heard of it. It was it's just like it's beyond. It's so good. Yeah. All right. Well, without further ado, here is Danielle Henderson. 
Well, I mean, we can just start gabbing because Danielle, we're going to read your bio ahead of time. So we can just launch into it um, because we're so excited that you are here. I mean, and also because you are coming back on the podcast as one of our earliest guests. Yes. I am so excited to be back. I am like marveling at the changes and the growth. And I'm just so proud of you both, truly. Well, we're marveling at your changes and growth. Yeah. And I'm proud of you. <laughs> it, well, I'm a huge fan. You know, I've been listening. And mm-hmm. I usually, I used to save episodes um, for when I traveled because I'm like, oh, I want to listen to them on the plane. Like it's very comforting and soothing. And then, you know, nobody went anywhere for a year and a half. But now I'm renovating my own kitchen. And so I'm like, ooh, I can go back and like listen to my wow. favorites. And yeah, I kind of have like a Are running you- playlist of... Forever 35 for when I'm I'm in here just doing work. <laughs> Are you renovating it yourself, like you, Danielle, doing the renovations? Yeah. yeah. Holy crap. Wow. Can you yeah. so I know Kate and I are kind of aware of of your situation, but for the benefit of our listeners, can you can you tell them about your new home and and how this came to be? Yeah. So I, um, I lived in LA for about four years and just about three weeks ago, I moved, uh, back to New York, back to my hometown in Warwick and I bought a farm. It's a very small farm. Um, but it's got a few acres and, um, I'm kind of re regenerating this farm cause it hadn't really been not, not much has been done to it in the past 25 to 30 years. Um, but the main reason that I'm back wow. is because my grandmother is moving in with me. So she's mm-hmm. going to kind of have the whole bottom floor of the house because she can't really do stairs anymore. Um, and the reason she's moving in is that she's, you know, she's 88. She's going to be 89 soon. And she has uh, dementia. And she's just very quickly getting to a point where she can't live on her own, even though she is still fiercely mm-hmm. independent. So I thought this is a good compromise for both of us. I was ready for kind of an easier life. I was kind of done with cities um, and she needed some help. So I just bought this house and it's quiet and it's, you know, in the woods and, uh, you know, I've got a nice screened in porch and she's just excited to get here. So because of that, um, I'm doing a lot of the renos myself. Um, I'm doing mostly, I'm mostly doing the renos myself because I'm, I'm impatient and it's been taking a long time to like order products and, do things. And I was like, Oh God, I'll just do it myself. Like I don't need to buy everything brand new. Wow. And so I'm, you know, I'm painting cabinets. Um, I did buy a Sawzall yesterday cause I have to cut part of the countertop and do some stuff with the tile, uh, to make room for my new fridge. So I'm going to do that today. I'm cutting my counter today. Um, I have to reinstall my dishwasher. Uh, where it is right now, it's kind of pushed up against wow. some pipes and it's not sitting flush. So I have to reconfigure some of the under cabinets so I can move the dishwasher. Um, and then I am, so it's mostly paint, mostly refurbishing. Uh, and then I'm framing out the laundry room next week, um, taking a cabinet from the kitchen and a half bath downstairs and um, moving the washer and dryer over and then kind of moving stuff around in the smaller bathroom. So it's a little bit, so it makes a little more sense. So yeah, I'm just, just doing it. Have, have you ever done anything like this before? Like no. the physical remodeling of a space? Wow. 
No, but I'm pretty handy. Like I've done small projects and I'm pretty creative. You know, I, I like to like to be hands on about a bunch of stuff. And I just, you know, I, I read a lot. So I, uh, you know, I read a bunch of stuff and watched some YouTube videos and I'm not going to do anything dangerous. Like I'm leaving the electric and the plumbing for someone else. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, like I can, I can, I can shut off some switches and make sure I don't get electrocuted, but I can't like reconfigure a electric in my house. So, um, yeah, so I'm leaving that part to, to the experts, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, I can pick up a toilet. I can pick up a sink. <laughs> I mean, you know, well, first of all, that this. is very impressive. But second, like you, when you were on our podcast originally, you talked about crafting as one of your self care practices. Mm-hmm. And there's in my mind, like just kind of watching you purchase this home and now learning that you are rebuilding it in your own vision and doing it yourself. Like what is more like loving to yourself and empowering than that? I mean, that just feels, it sounds amazing. It's, it's truly the, 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 the main way that I do self care is, um, to kind of nest and create a space, uh, both emotionally mm-hmm. and physically. So, I know that you usually ask your, your listeners what they do for self care first and foremost. And that's usually it. It's like my emotional self care is, um, I don't have a lot of apps on my phone, a lot of social media apps. Um, I did have to recently kind of re-engage with Twitter because of book press, but you know, I don't read news online. I don't read, um, you know, I just start read a lot of stuff. I weeded through a lot of my, the things I was following over the last year. And I really just kind of created a space that I know when I open Instagram, for example, I'm just going to see news from people I love and things that I enjoy. And mm. that's nice. It's a, There's no pressure of like, oh, I have to follow this person, even though they're always a drag. Like, I just got rid of all of that. And then, um, yeah, in my personal space, it's really important to me to feel like I can look around a room and understand it, you know, understand all the tr- the choices that were made and, um, you know, the color and, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of painting and wallpaper removal right now. And um, I just want to look around my house and feel like, you know, some real ownership over it, you know, because I, I won't actually own it for like three decades, but to have some real ownership right now. <laughs> And it's, it's soothing. There's nothing more soothing than a, than a palm sander. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, I've never used one, mind you, but that sounds like it would be very satisfying. Yeah, and empowering. Yeah, deeply, I, deeply. And I think that's important. Yeah. So are you are you just done with LA now? What does this mean for your TV writing career? My TV writing career is still going. Um, I before I left LA, Good. I started. Uh, <laughs> I started started running my first show. Uh, so as a showrunner, that was great because I was able to make different decisions. So if I want to c- continue doing mm-hmm. um, like Zoom rooms or remote rooms, then I can do that. Um, but I will have to come back to LA for filming. So it'll be you know, a couple months out of the year. And and I worked that out with my brother uh, before I bought this house. I said, you know. The only thing I need truly is that when I travel for any reason that you can please come stay with grandma. Like, yeah. Yeah. And he said, Oh yeah, no problem. Like she, she has a nurse during the day, but I just don't want her to be alone at night. So um, he and my sister-in-law were like, yeah, of course we'll, we'll definitely help out. So it's still possible for me to have my, my TV career. Thankfully. That's amazing. That's amazing. And just like, it's so nice to hear of someone who is like setting up their lives 
setting up their life in a way that like really works for them, you know, yeah, on I just, their own terms, yeah. on their own terms. So yes. I, I really admire that. <laughs> I would like to hear more about how you got to that point because we'll get there though, because I want, I want to circle back to just your house and, and how it correlates to so much of your book because, okay. So I don't want to spoil your memoir um, for any listeners who have not read it, but everyone should go out and read it. It's so amazing. It's so poignant. It's so moving, but it's also so funny, which is, I think, what you have done best in all your writing for years. But so much of it, it uh, involves, one, the experience of never really fully feeling like you have a home, the constant moving of the physical space, as well as, um, you know, not being, you know, not being with your mother and now and the moving in with your grandmother, who is really this such this central, amazing figure of your book and of your life. And so to to then be able to see, as we know you now, that's this kind of full circle moment. I'm just kind of personally curious, what what is that? Is it surreal? Is it moving? What what does it kind of feel like to have had this fraught relationship with the physical place that you are from and so many emotional connections to it, both good and bad. And and how does it feel to come back into it? Like Dory was saying on your own terms. Yeah, it feels, it feels very empowered. I will say uh, that Dory used the correct word there. Um, I feel yeah. like, you know, I've, I've visited over the years, of course. So it was never like I was that far removed, but I haven't lived here since I was, you know, 17. Um, there were a few months when I was in my, my twenties before I moved to Alaska, where I moved back in with my grandma to save some money, but I haven't really lived here since then. So, but coming back, it felt really wonderful because I'm coming back completely on my own terms. Um, I don't necessarily, you know, I, I don't necessarily have to engage with things here that, that bothered me in the past. Um, you know, for example, like the racism. Um, I think that the town itself has progressed in a lot of ways so that that is something that the whole town is now aware of and is, is trying to combat. Um, it's a really progressive place and I feel, you know, immediate kinship with a lot of people here. Um, but what's really wonderful more than anything is that I, I'm not coming back as a high schooler, you know, like I'm coming back as a fully formed mm -hmm. adult, a 44 year old woman. And I'm bringing everything that I've learned over the years and everything that I became over the years back with me. So I feel more like I'm creating a better space here by being here. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I could be lying to myself. Who knows what will happen next year? We'll catch up again <laughs> in a few months. But, <laughs> but I really do feel like, you know, it makes sense that I have some comfort here because this is where I was raised. And the things that used to really impact me negatively about being here are now things that I can do something about, you know, I can travel, I can go out into the world, I can, you know, kind of create the community that I want here, I don't have to be around certain people all day, every day. And um, I'm very lucky because two of my my oldest high school friends also within the last three years bought homes and moved back here. So wow. one of my friends, wow. Sarah, lives literally across the, the road. <laughs> she lives very wow. close. Oh we can gosh. walk to each other's houses. And my friend, Tim, who's this artist and, and professor, he lives um, with his husband like half a mile away. So um, I already feel like I'm coming back to 
you know, I'm kind of being embraced by, by them and the lives that they've created here. So, um, you know, I feel, I feel wonderful. I feel really lucky. And it's, it's nice that I don't have that friction with this place anymore. I think that I had to, yeah. I had to go out in the world and do a lot of yeah. healing from my experience here, but to not have that friction here means I can just enjoy the, you know, the rest of my grandma's life with her in a place where she wants to be. Because she did not want to move to LA. <laughs> yeah, I tried. I was like, please just like oh move with me to LA. It'll be great. She's like, absolutely not. <laughs> so yeah, I feel your I feel grandmother. Like very she, she seems. I mean, she seems amazing, and also, I mean, she's a challenging figure, but such a nurturing and like her own way, like not in a conventional way that we all think of, especially when we think of grandmas. Um. But your relationship with her is just so beautifully described in your book. Um, and she's clearly such an important person to you. What if you could you describe her a little bit for our listeners and, and maybe also just share a little bit about what you have kind of learned about life from her? Yeah, she is. Um, she's formidable. Uh, she is definitely the very definition of tough love um, emphasis on the tough. So her her whole MO when I was a kid was, and I didn't realize this until I was older, of course, but she was very concerned with and focused on helping me become independent um, and become a woman who could make her own decisions and have her own opinions. And um, in doing so, she kind of, you know, would, would emphasize things that were not really typical for a teenage girl to experience. And she, you know, she really, you know, she pushed me to have an after school job as, you know, as soon as possible. I wanted one, but she also was like, yeah, you should use the money you make from that job to buy what you want because now you're an adult and you can do that. And she taught me how to have a bank account mm. and, you know, how to balance a checkbook. And she just really wanted me to be fearless, I think, about the way that I went out in the world. And she wanted me to be prepared. So her way of doing that was, um, as a young child, was to give me advice from horror films, because she loves horror <laughs> movies. Uh, <laughs> so again, we grew up in the woods, and she would constantly be, you know, pointing at the TV and be like, yeah, you see those kids out there having sex and getting in trouble? That's why you don't go in the woods. And I'm like, we can't help it. We live here. We live in the woods. What are you talking about? Um, Oh but she God. really is like, she's very, very, very um, in, t in touch with pop culture. Uh, she she loves The Walking Dead. Her one of her, her two favorite shows are The Walking Dead and Naked and Afraid. Um, but she oh just loves people. Love <laughs> and she's so funny. And she's, she's funny and she's bright. But I think that because of the era that she grew up in, you know, like in the 30s and 40s, she had to be tough to exhibit those funny and sensitive sides of herself. So um, it's mm. very strange because I know that it's, it's bizarre that I even have a grandmother at 44 years old, but we have over the years just become such good friends and we've just grown closer and closer and closer as time's gone, time has gone on. And um, mm. I really do believe, and I know I wrote about this in the book, but I really do believe that, you know, we've been connected since the day I was born. Oh, mm. oh, Sorry, I literally just finished. I just read like the last twenty pages, like two hours ago, and you talk, and that comes up again at the end, and it gives me, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, that kind of relationship is, it's honestly, it feels more rare these days too, especially with a, a grandparent, yeah. as you know, people live farther away from family and, and things separate us. I mean, that's it's 
Yes. It just is very yes. moving. And she's, and she was also, you know, I, I don't think she would ever call herself this, but I've, I've always categorized her as the first feminist I ever met. Um, mm. and I think that she wouldn't necessarily per, you know, prescribe to like any kind of particular ethos, but she was absolutely someone who embodied this notion that women can do anything and particularly black women. I think that was really important for her uh, to send me out in the world and not feel like I was inferior. Um, so yeah, it's just, she's, she's a dynamic person. She's still hilarious. Um, I went and had coffee with her the other day. It's great that I can see her every day now, even though she hasn't moved in yet. Um, but I, she lives 10 minutes away. So I went and had coffee with her the other day and she asked what I was doing. And I told her, Oh, well today I'm painting cabinets. And she's like, I can help. Let me come over. And I was like, she's like, I'll just stand on a box because she's very short. And I said, grandma, how about this? Why don't you oh just God. stand up out of your chair right now? And, you know, she kind of like wobbled and tried to stand up. And we were both <laughs> hissing our pants laughing. And she's like, okay, fine. I can't help you. But <laughs> like, she still has this fierceness in her where she wants to do everything. So oh she just really God. makes me laugh. That's... Yeah, she really makes me laugh. And she was a great boon for me because, you know, my mother was not around. And so it was nice to not only have have her in my life as a grandmother, but just as a guiding force. Yeah, I mean, she seems like a lightning bolt of in a life, you know, like just that energy that you cannot, um, that is going to get you no matter what. I don't know how to say this. I'm, I'm just, I'm, she sounds amazing. I'm, I'm, and I love that at nine years old, she told you to sleep around. <laughs> so oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. She was just like, do not marry the first person you have sex with. And I was like, what? <laughs> She's like, she was just adamant. She's like, even if it's only two people, fine, but don't marry the first person you have sex with. And I'm like, I'm playing with Barbies. What are you talking about? Right. <laughs> but wow. then again, the ultimate c- contradiction of her as a person, she'd look at Madonna and be like, oh, what a hussy. And I'm like, but you just told me right. to sleep. I should sleep around. And right. now she's sleep. Uh, yeah, she's very, very confusing and funny. <laughs> Has she read or parts of your book or have you read it to her? Or is she aware that it is that she is such a um, big force throughout of it, throughout of it, oh, throughout com- it? Completely. So I, I recorded the audiobook, And so when I got the first copy, I sent it to her um, and she and her nurse listened to it, you know, listen to it every day. Um, and she does have a copy oh. of the hardcover. Um, but she and she also listened to it with um, my great aunt, her sister. And they laughed because my, you know, my great aunt was like, Carol, like she just captured you completely. <laughs> like, so they kind of laugh and then I get to hear more of their stories because of something that I wrote that reminds them of something else. So it's really, really sweet. And she's, she's very proud of me, which is all I ever really want. You know, I want yeah. her to be proud of me and I know that she is and she, she always has been. Um, but it's, it's nice to be able to kind of give her this thing that. Is, in, is, is an encapsulation of, of all of my, my feelings about her. That's really beautiful. <laughs> okay, so let's take a pause and we will be right back. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even 
deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year, I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year, I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 Lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or Think Like a Boss with Martha Stewart or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events, there's weddings, there's nights out, it's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Superpower Short. The Superpower Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that thing every day. I do too. Uh, It's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let Let me just tell you why. Yeah, get okay, into it. Okay, do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say, like, I, I I, don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it, like, the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh, God, like, get this off of me. <laughs> No, thank once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see how also, it could like, be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. 
Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. It, it, like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I, I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or, toot, Kate. or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Okay, here we are. Your book ends with you going off to college and you kind of like hint at the fact in your book that like it doesn't go as planned. Like at the moment you're like freedom, but also this goes to shit. But you don't, you know, you, you, you touch on the first 18 years of your life in your book and then you've had such an interesting long journey to get to where you are, I guess, career wise, but also personally as a, as a human. Um, and you know, we were talking before we started recording about how it really aligns with a lot of what Dory talks about in her memoir. So can you give us the kind of abridged version of, of how you became, um, both a TV writer in your mid thirties, I believe, um, And moving your way up to a showrunner, which if people are not um, familiar with the TV business, it basically means like the writer in charge of the writing and the show. So you are an executive producer um, and you're the main writer. Right. Right. And yeah, it's it's not a linear path by any by any stretch. I think the easiest way to explain how I got here is that I... I said yes to a lot of things out of desperation mm. and sustainability. So I, mm. my main focus was always being able to take care of myself. Um, 
you know, I couldn't rely, I didn't have a family I could rely on to even call and, and ask for 50 bucks. So, you know, I had to work two or three jobs and kind of put myself in the path of people who were doing what I wanted to be doing so that I could learn from them. Uh, cause I did leave college after the first year. Uh, it was just not the right, I didn't pick the right place at all. Um, but I also didn't know what I was going to, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be a fashion designer, but that even that wasn't a linear path. You know, there's no one way to be a fashion designer. So, um, so I left and I think that the jobs that I've had and the people that I've met are what really prepped me for becoming a TV writer. Because at the time that I started writing for television, I was, gosh, I was like 37, 38. And, um, I had so many stories and so much experience to bring into mm -hmm. that room. And it didn't leave a lot of time for me to feel weird or bad about not having a formal education, um, in it because I had other things to offer. So yeah, I went, I went back to college when I was 30. Um, I moved around the country a lot and, um, my agent found me through my recaps that I was doing for Vulture about other TV shows. And she's like, you just have such a good sense of humor and you're such a great writer. You should consider writing for television. I didn't know how to do that. So for the next year, um, you know, she would send me scripts and I basically taught myself how to write for television by reading endless amounts of scripts. And I kind of think in dialogue, so it didn't seem like too much of a turn. I just had to, you know, I had to know the terms that would get us to the next step. But then once we got to that next step, I'm like, oh, well, here's what they say. That's no problem. Um, so I learned the technical stuff by just reading a ton of scripts. And um, I wrote my first spec script. I based it on, you know, a story from my own life, of which I had several. And um, that was where I, that was a script that got me my first, my first job. So um, I really put myself out there and I think constantly putting myself in the path of, letting people know what I wanted to do. I, I constantly had to tell people, you know, this is what I want to do next. And what happened. And then also saying yes, mm -hmm. when those opportunities came up, even if I didn't feel 100% confident is what got me here because I didn't want oh. to, you know, constantly be, I didn't want to work. I had great times doing it, but I didn't want to be working at a coffee shop in the morning and a bookstore at night for the rest of my life. You know, I think that um, if I'd wanted that, I could have had that life and it would have been great, but I wanted more and I wanted to, I always had this fear as well that I wanted to um, transcend because, you know, I grew up with a single mom on welfare and then she abandoned us and I grew up with my grandparents and I just never wanted to have to rely on anybody else to survive. And so I think it just became more important for me to, to feel the fear and do it anyway, um, because that was always in the back of my head that if I, if I don't want to have that life, I can't replicate the, the kinds of lives that would get me there. Um, and I can't, you know, keep doing the same thing that I've, I've always done. I love what you said about doing something, even though you weren't a hundred percent confident mm -hmm. in it, because I think, you know, that, that holds so many people back, right? Like yes. imagine if some, you know, if you had been approached by an agent who said, you should write for TV. And you were like, Oh no, I could never do that. Like just being able to, to have that, to make that mental shift to say like, well, you know what? I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to try it is, is so important. And so kind of along those lines, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, what would you say to people who think they're too old to switch careers or do something new? 
I, I, I sympathize. That feeling is a horrible feeling to think you're too old to do something. Um, but it's also completely made up. It is a false, it's, it's a false conception that we push out into our culture. Yeah. Um, and it is not true. And I think that there, you know, I went back to school when I was 30 years old thinking, well, I wanted to teach. Um, and, tried that for a few years and then changed my career again. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen when I'm 50 or 60, I might do something else completely. Mm. But I think that more than anything, I think you have to, you have to get out of your own way and really ask yourself, is there something that I could be doing that would actually make me feel better about the life I have or the life I want? And even if you're taking that first step um, and it's a fearful step, Imagine where you would be three years from now. And then imagine if you waited another 10 years to start. Um, mm. It would really be, it's to your own disservice to think that your age holds you back. I think that with age, you get so much more wisdom and you just inherently know things that will be beneficial in any situation. So you can't say, you know, I'm too old to do this. I'm too old. To, you, I mean, maybe... Nobody wants to be a 70-year-old Instagram influencer, but they're out there. They exist. You can do literally anything at any age. Yeah. <laughs> so I think yeah. that it's, it's just a matter of, you know, going going for what you want and trying really in order to do that, though, I feel like you have to understand what you want your life to be. And any step mm-hmm. that takes you closer to what you want your life to be is perfect at any age. There's no age limit on having the feeling that you want to wake up with every day be a part of your life. So I think that's just the mm. first goal is just to get out of your own way and don't believe, don't believe the hype. <laughs> don't believe the hype. We are a youth obsessed culture um, for capitalistic reasons and nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> so do not yeah. believe the hype. Yeah. <laughs> you, you also mentioned in your book that you didn't really even begin to understand you you understood for years that you had depression and and dealt with depression, but you didn't understand your depression and wiring until you were thirty nine. And then you say that the first time you felt happy and confident at the same time was at forty three. And this made me feel very hopeful because I, I feel like so many people are in the same boat of like even when you understand that you have a diagnosis or that you deal with mental illness or mental challenges there's a, you know, the feeling that you can kind of begin to understand it. It's such a relief. I, I'd love to hear a little bit about how you got to that place and what advice you might have for other people who are kind of feeling that that same way of not, not yet fully understanding the state of their, their mental state, their state of their mental state, right. their state of their <laughs> mental shit, let's say. <laughs> Yes, it is. It is the, the the first step is understanding it and kind of having yeah. a diagnosis, if you will. Um, but I think that is genuinely the first step. And what took me through and and put me on a path to understanding was the continued work that came after that. So I always felt mm. like depression was something that was kind of crouching inside of me, ready to blow up my life, and you know I couldn't control it, and it's just the way that I am, and it's fine. Um, it's not fine literally, but it's like, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. So why would I put my effort there? But then I actually worked with two incredible therapists. So when I was living in New York, before I moved to Los Angeles, I had a therapist who was the first person to ever describe depression as something that happened to me, but wasn't always a part, like waiting within me. 
And that hearing that Mm. alone just made me feel Mm. like, wait a minute, I do have some control over this then because with her, I started working on recognizing my own patterns. So what is it that sends me into a depressive spiral or what do I feel like when I'm starting to feel depressed and when should I reach out to people and when should I start to actually put the work in to addressing this so I don't get to rock bottom every single time I feel depressed. And that was life shifting for me just to have somebody say that simple thing was just changed my whole life. And then when I did move to Mm. to Los Angeles, I, I had to switch therapists and my current therapist is truly wonderful at not just helping me recognize the patterns, but she was crucial to teaching me how to talk to myself. And that's why I said, you know, I didn't really begin to understand my depression until I was 43. Because yes, there is a chemical imbalance in me that makes me sadder and more depressed and more, um, more, more susceptible to that, of course. But I also, over the years, have learned how to talk to myself in the worst and most negative ways possible, which just exacerbates the thing that is chemically wrong with me. So for me to wow. wake up every day and be like, oh God, you're ugly, you're fat, you're this, you're that, like to instantly run through a checklist of everything that I didn't think I was or mm. to run through the things that, um, you know, again, over time became part of a habit for me. It was really detrimental to my mental health. And I didn't realize that I was even doing that until I met someone through therapy who encouraged me to stop doing that and who genuinely gave me a script of things I could say instead um, and who helped me develop a way to to speak to myself um, that made me feel comforted and loved even when nobody else was giving me that comfort or that love. And I didn't know that was possible. It sounds so rudimentary and I did not know that it was possible. I thought, you know, you either receive love as a kid or you don't, or you, you know, you figure it out as, as an adult, you know, in, in your twenties or it's too late for you and you don't. And none of that was true. I, I am, ne- I've never been happier. I've never been more content. I've never been more full of love and able to give love than I am now. And it's because I've learned how to talk to myself and how to treat myself. Um, so my depression is really, it's personal. You know, everyone goes through a different experience, but I think it's really crucial to, if, if you're someone who enjoys talk therapy, to, to find a therapist that actually works with you. There are a lot of therapists who will just take your money and listen to you and they're not actually doing anything to help um, because maybe it's not the right fit. So you have to find the right fit and you have to kind of also be open to knowing what to ask for as you go on. So I don't think it's something that I'll ever master, you know, like I don't think that I'll ever be done with therapy. I don't think that'll ever be, you know, I thought there was a point a few, a few months ago where I was like, I got this done. I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm okay. For-. And then like I graduated. <laughs> exactly. Like I took all your, I did everything right. I'm such a good student. I took my notes. I did right. everything you asked and now I don't need therapy. Yep. And then she asked me a question about, um, you know, well, how, how are you going to respond to, uh, to your mother either reading your book or not reading your book? And I was like, oh, fuck, we're going to be doing this for like 10 more years. So <laughs> I'm here forever. <laughs> here forever. <laughs> so there's definitely like, that's part of it too, though. You can't go into therapy thinking, you know, I need to fix something and walk away. It's a journey that you're going to be on. If you're really committed to it, it's a journey you'll be on for a while and you'll learn so much about yourself as you go. And you'll, since you're constantly evolving, the things you learn and practice will also evolve. Um, 
But that's, I, I think it's just, again, you have to really, if you are someone who experiences like deep depression or mental health issues, I feel, I feel for you. I, 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 again, remember vividly just the years of my life where I could not get out of bed or was, you know, too upset and crying all day. And, and just imagining that I could have, that I could still be in that place is shocking to me. It's really sad and shocking in a lot of ways, but it makes me more proud of like having learned this finally and started putting in the work, but it's just the start. It's just the start. And you can take that first step. You can, you know, not think of your depression as something that is hell bent on derailing your life. Um, it's a little something extra that you have to deal with that other people may not, but it's possible to deal with it. Evolving is hard. <laughs> so much hard. work to evolve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it like pays off, but it's like, oh, this is grueling yeah, emotional work. It. <laughs> 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 Why am I even dealing this? It's true. I know, but, again, then, like, but then it pays off. Yes. Yes. Because it's. I, I guess and you also, in, in my case, I had to get to a point where I was more afraid of never being happy than I was of constantly feeling depressed, if that makes any sense. Like, I mm. was way more fearful of the fact that I could live an entire life, the only one we get, and not be happy. And I thought, no, I can't, I can't do that. <laughs> that that doesn't feel like right in my soul. Mm. So yeah, be be afraid of be afraid of not having happiness and see what where that gets you as yeah. well. Yeah. So we're just gonna take a short break and we will be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it, and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad, they're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm, okay. Which is okay, I visible know. on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, mm. refreshed, they combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting-edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage you can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here mm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. OneSkin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. 
OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Okay, we're back. We, I have to ask you this because when you were on our podcast originally, you revealed that you washed your face with sugar, which was amazing. Do you still wash your face with sugar? Because you do literally have the best skin of any human being to walk the earth. Just Let's just lay it out there. <laughs> Not that this podcast is about I- who has the best skin, but I mean, <laughs> look. But look, if I win, I win. I'll take it. <laughs> look, all right, I'm just going to throw it out there. I do. I wash my face with sugar twice a week um, in the summer, sometimes three times a week. And it's just an exfoliant. You know, I just kind of, you know, let it do its thing. But I don't, I haven't been someone who's paid a great amount of attention to my skin over time. Like genetics is truly key to anything that is good about my skin. However, I have decided in the last couple of years and really greatly fueled by listening to this podcast there are things that I feel like I can do that help my skin, that actively help me feel better, like in my body. Um, and then also now that I'm doing like, you know, press and this and that, I don't necessarily just have to go out in the world with dark circles under my eyes. And, you know, there are things that I can do that I don't have to do mm-hmm. every day, um, which makes me feel like I'm taking an active part in, in my body. Uh, so yeah, I definitely, you know, I, I keep, I keep it low as low key as possible. I still use Kiehl's as a moisturizer when I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I started adding Aesop makes this rose oil, like a rose face oil. Mm-hmm. And I started adding a couple of drops of that to um, my moisturizer in the winter. Cause it just ma- makes me feel like I'm kind of keeping it all compact and like all the moisture staying in there. Um, but yeah, I just keep it, I keep it very low key. And um, I love a, I love a witch hazel spritz in the, in the heat. I love, <laughs> I love, I love just kind of figuring out what feels good. And that's something that again is, is, is something that I learned recently. And, and over the last few years is that makeup and um, serums and oils and, and, you know, things that you can put on your body. It's not just about how you look to the outside world. Um, mm. It's about what makes you feel more like yourself. And so that's what I kind of gravitate towards when I'm buying products or trying products is that I don't, it's not necessarily about how I'm perceived. It's about how I feel. And I think that's been mm. just one of the most lovely things about your entire oeuvre <laughs> is that you just emphasize that <laughs> so much in a way that like really hits home for me. And it yeah, is about how you feel. It's not about, you know, again, how you're perceived. Yeah. So that, thank you for, it is for all the, all, all the oh, product advice and everything over the years. I mean, please, but it's, it is, it is hard to kind of like, um, grapple with. I mean, look, you created feminist Ryan Gosling, which is a hugely iconic. Yes. I mean, there's, that's a perfect word for it. And, and as people who identify, with feminism and as feminists, it can be very hard to then kind of also make space for 
the beauty industrial complex, which is so rooted in misogyny and racism and everything terrible. Mm-hmm. And so you you put it very nicely and in a way that I feel like resonates in the way that I aspire to identify with it in my life. Thank you. I think you're you're already halfway there, more than halfway there. You on a okay. daily basis are just like, mm. I'm not doing this anymore. Like it's just very empowering to see you put out into the world like this is what's important to me. And you are nav- navigating. Mm. You're both finding ways to navigate this horrible, you know, beauty industrial complex that we all have to deal with. And I think that you make really great points, which is something that h- hits home for me as well and changed the way that I shop, which is, you know, you got to put your money where your mouth is in a lot of ways. So, um, you know, I buy all my hair care products and I have for a while, but I'm like, you know, very excited to discover these new hair care products um, that are all natural. And um, I use Bell Bar Organic, which is made by a mom and her two daughters. So it's a family affair. Um, and it does, it feels good. Like I get to mix stuff up. Like I'm a scientist and I love that. And they kind of are, you know, their whole business is built around education. And I think that is also hugely important to mm. navigating yes. the the beauty industrial complex is what you're learning and what you're, as well as what you're buying. Um, So yeah, I kind of, Mm -hmm. I keep it low key because I feel like when I buy a bunch of stuff, I feel like I then have to use it and I have to find a reason and I have to like partake in it. Um, But if I'm just kind of hanging out like today on my porch and I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm feeling a little sweaty today. I'm going to do a witch hazel this and I'm going to, you know, because I've learned now that like, you know, this makes me feel good, then I'm going to go for that. And that's totally different. It's a totally different way to be be part of it. I know. And don't you just mm, want to oomph? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything yeah. you say, I'm just like, mm. I know. We would um, think that it, be remiss. This age is a good oh, age to get go into ahead. it, right? <laughs> no, no, I just think that this I age love, is a good age to, to get totally. into it as well. Yes, yeah, I feel Danielle, like- I think we're I think we're exactly the same age and like so much of what you say just fully resonates with me and you know even this path to feeling like you're doing things for yourself and not, you know, for it's just it, it just all really resonates. So thanks for being you. I mean, Aww, <laughs> just thank grateful. you. Yeah. I feel the exact <laughs> same way about both of you. So thank you. Before we wrap up, um, I feel like we would be remiss not to mention your podcast, which is really funny and smart. And I think our listeners would love if they haven't already listened to it. Um, you cover like the very funny, insane world of film. And I saw what you did. Um, I would just love if you could tell our listeners a little bit about it and what inspired it, because I'm curious if it all kind of connects back to your grandmother in some way. As everything does. I mean, this was, and I, I say this is to lots of um, younger people I know, like my nieces and nephews and people in my life who are like 20 and under, that we had no rules when we were kids. So at the library, it went from like, you know, little house in the big woods to the rest of the library. There was no YA. It was like, you know, you read, you yes, hit the end yes. of the, the Laura Ingalls Wilder yes, cycle, totally. and then you could read Peyton Place or whatever you wanted. And s- same with movies. It's like, we didn't have the restrictions. So we just watched everything all the time. And it gave me a real love and appreciation for film and for movies and in a very organic way. And so the, this podcast, you know, I saw what you did that I co-host with uh, my friend Millie DeChirico. She is a film programmer at TCM. 
and has been for almost 20 years and is a film expert. Like she just knows so much about everything. Um, but the way that the podcast came about is that we both lived in LA at the same time and we would go to the movies together constantly. And every time we left a movie, we would just be talking to each other. Like, you know, we'd be sitting in our cars in the garage at the arc light talking for like two hours to the point where I would then go to leave. And they're like, Oh, you have to, like, you're, you definitely are not getting the discount for the three hours. Like you've been here forever. (laughs) Like you now have to pay 40 bucks to get out of here. Uh, But we would just talk constantly when we left and just have so much to say about movies. And so, um, Millie, and Karen Kilgariff are our friends. And Karen came to her and said, you know, they're starting their own network and she'd love to have a film podcast. And Millie was like, you know, I can only think of like one person I'd want to host it with. Um, and then we came up with our, the- our, you know, our idea for the show, which is that we, we pick a theme every week that we create. And, uh, then we each pick, pick a film and present it to each other, uh, to, as, as it fits within that theme. So some of our, our latest themes are, um, looks like a pump feels like a sneaker. And we watched Working Girl <laughs> and Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead because we wanted to talk oh. about movies that, like, you know, taught us how to be women in the world. <laughs> and so yes. it's just so much fun to talk about films from that perspective, for sure. Oh, it's so good. And you have, I think you have a very similar point of view on Ethan Hawke in Reality Bites as I do, which is what the hell. Isn't it? And it's shocking to watch movies that I watched as a younger person. And I have a completely different outlook. (laughs) Like when I was nice, you know, what, 15, 16, when that movie came out, you could not have told me he was terrible for no. All the money in the world. I was like, he's the ideal. Most romantic movie guy. ever. Ah, so yeah. romantic. And then you look at it in your 40s and you're like, I want everyone to stay. Like, I will dedicate my life to keeping women away from this kind of guy, to keeping people away from this kind of guy. <laughs> it's wonderful to revisit. I love those films. And that's that's a theme that we also revisited again um, later this year. Yeah. But uh, that's a theme that we we created called classic movie fuckboys, And that was about uh, the way we were and reality bites. Cause Hubble is also not the greatest guy. Uh, I always, I was always told that was like the most romantic movie of all time. And when I finally watched it, yes. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> like Barbara uh, Streisand is incredible. And he is just the worst. <laughs> the worst. Dragging yeah, her through this worst. life. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to think about films in that way, and we mostly we we strive to have fun, but we also, you know, we're both really educated, and Millie is like super smart, and and just has a different. It's a different perspective. It's you know, two two women of color talking about film mm-hmm. is still kind of revolutionary in twenty twenty one. Yeah, um, yeah, and I just hope that in the next five years that that's not the case anymore. Mm. Well, yes. this has been as we always say, a treat, but it really has been a dang treat to have you on the show. Um, For me as well. And look, I'll come back. I'll be a triple hitter. I'll be the first. Like the Tom Hanks of SNL. Yes, you're Steve Martin, if you will. I am enjoying this precedent. Let's do it. I love it. Well, listen, people need to get your memoir, The Ugly Cry. It's just so fantastic it's hard to find the words to words it's hard to find the words to really nail it down the words to nail it down but it's just um so moving and funny all at once uh i can't recommend it enough and 
Danielle, where else can people find you? Even if you don't want to, you know, you're not going to have to engage too much on the Twitter, but where can we find you if we want to just read your tweets? The best place to find me is Instagram. And it's just my name, Danielle Henderson. Uh, I, I like, I've, like, like I said, I've tailored my Instagram to be a very enjoyable experience now. So I like hanging out there. Um, and I'm going to say the same for Dory's book. I know that you are, you know, doing Aww. everything you can to get on that bestseller list. And I know that you, like, I remember the last <laughs> couple of episodes, you're like, I promise I'll stop talking about it. I won't. I will never stop talking about it. Please Aww, go and buy Dory's Aww, memoir. It is beautiful. <laughs> and New York Times list Aww. or not, it is such a beautiful read and it's something that the world just needs right now that kind of connection to humanity um, and hope so please go buy your book well now i'm gonna cry um (laughs) so thank you thank you well i love you both so Um, much oh we love you you're the best yeah, I can't wait to come move into that barn, by the way. I'll, I'll be... Yeah, uh, seriously. Oh. Let us know when that apartment and I will be up soon. <laughs> yeah. As soon as it's done, yeah. it's going to be like the Forever 35 retreat space for, for the, to the end of time. So just come on whenever you want. Yes, please. <laughs> Forever 35 is hosted and produced by Dory Shafrir and Kate Spencer and produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Sam Reed is our project manager and our network partner is Acast. And we will talk to you later. Bye.